Our scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith it, was, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. 
They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if I were to ask you, or the average person anywhere, really, at a coffee shop, at the gas station, at the grocery store, one of my neighbors, if I were to ask if it's important that Christians, God's people, be people of faith, I'm certain the answer would be yes. That's just one of those things, right? Often Christians or, or religious people, whatever, are, are called people of faith. Oh, that person's a strong person of faith. And, and it's true, we are to be people of faith. And Callie just read this great hall of faith chapter that's so famous, this, this listing by our author of Hebrews of these, these saints who, who are these examples to us of people of faith. But here's the problem. <clears throat> what does that even mean to be people of faith? What exactly is faith? If you grew up in the 80s, pop singers and rock singers sang songs telling us that you got to have faith and just keep the faith. And, and I think they have different meanings than uh, what God's word means. Don't go Googling those songs right now. Another time. What does it mean, though, to have faith? Well, that's, that's kind of the big question for us this morning. And so uh, hopefully you've by now turned or swiped to Hebrews 11, uh, where, where we find ourselves in this study as we've been making our way through this sermonic letter. I want to keep calling it that. This is written, we don't know by who, um, whom the author is, but uh, it was clearly um, a letter, there's specifics to people and their occasions that, that lead us to believe it's a letter with specific audience in mind, but it's also very sermonic and it's worshipful, and, and in, we've seen in the whole subtitle of the series, it's on your screen, Jesus is greater. The author has gone to great lengths to show that as great as angels are and Moses and the law and the old covenant and the high priests, all of it, Jesus is greater than all of it. In fact, all of those things eventually, in some way or another, point to and find their fulfillment in him. And uh, last week, we, we wrapped up chapter 10 by this, this urging, this call to perseverance, this call to endurance. And really, that's kind of another theme of the letter. Because Jesus is greater, uh, the, the author wants his audience and God wants us to, to endure, to persevere. In spite of trials or, or challenges, whatever they may be. And, and so last week, the message was a warning, a reminder, and, and a promise, all aimed at encouraging us to persevere. Uh, but I want you actually um, to look back at just the last few verses of chapter 10, just to hear this, this beginning of this idea of faith, okay? So Hebrews 10 at verse 35, this is where the, the promise part of that endurance challenge came in. So Hebrews 10, 35, therefore, after giving the warning, after, after giving um, the reminder, the author says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. And, and we talked last week that that reward is ultimately none other than the Lord Jesus. Okay? He, he is our reward. And then here's this, this encouragement. You have need of endurance, verse 36, so that when you have done the will of God, that's just a way of saying when you've lived God's will for your life, when you've, when you've followed him completely, 
you may receive what is promised, which again is Jesus. And then <clears throat> this quotation from Habakkuk, the Old Testament uh, prophet, Habakkuk 2, verses 3 and 4, uh, a passage that the Apostle Paul would quote in Romans as well, uh, a, a passage, especially in Romans, that none other than uh, Martin Luther, uh, the reformer, would, God would use to kind of enlighten his eyes. But here's the quote in verse 37. Yet a little while, and the coming one will come, there's the promise, and will not delay. But until such time, my righteous one shall live by faith. My people, God says, shall live by faith. That's, that's the phrase the Apostle Paul quotes in Romans that was, was this uh, epiphany to Martin Luther. But, but the quote goes on here. It says, and if he or she shrinks back, right, instead of uh, being confident and, and, and whatnot, if, if there's a shrinking back, God says, my soul has no pleasure. So, so we're to be people of faith, not people that shrink back. And remember, that comes after that warning against turning away. And then here's, here's the, the pastor of the book of Hebrews, this author. He, look at verse 39. He says, but we, church, it's like he's, he's talking to his people. We, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. No, but we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. God says, my righteous one shall live by faith, shall be people of faith. Well, that's us, church. That's what the writer says to his people, confident that, that they won't, that those who are truly gods through Christ will persevere and will endure. And that leads our author then to turn the corner, so to speak, into chapter 11, as we have in 11, and to talk about now faith. And, and to go on and talk about what faith is. And so really, uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. Here's, here's our outline for the time that we have left. We're going to, uh, as we dive into this chapter, look at what it means to live by faith. That, that phrase, by faith, by faith. I hope you heard it as Callie read it to you. It, it's repeated almost like 18, I think, times uh, in, in the whole chapter. The word faith is there like 20 times. So what does it mean to live by faith as all these people from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Scriptures did. Number two, what does it look like? And then number three, how do we do it? So that's our outline this morning. Living by faith. What does it mean? What does it look like? And how do we do it? So first, what does it mean? Now, our author in verse one has quite a very good definition, and we will get to that in a moment. But first, let's just talk about this word. I, I try to say this Almost every time I find the word faith and whatever we're studying, whatever we're walking through, um, I don't remember when I learned this in my journey, in my walk with the Lord, but at some point I, I was taught this, and, and I think it's so important. Again, because there's so much confusion on faith. Too, too, too many people think to live by faith means to blindly, you know, be going like this. And, and so there's this blind faith idea and it's not a biblical idea. And I, I want to, again, say it over and over again, but today's a really good occasion to dive into that for a moment. Um, biblical faith is not blind faith. It is not wishful thinking. Uh, it is not just an optimistic pursuit temperament. That, that is not what the word means. No, the word, and if you were brave but only if you have a pencil. You could uh, put right above the word faith, pretty much every time you see the word in, in your Bible, write the word trust. Faith means trust. In fact, we, we could go through, um, it took about eight minutes, I think, for Callie to read all that. I'm not going to reread the whole thing again and take another eight minutes, but, but we could go through. By trust, Abel. Uh, by trust, Enoch. By trust, Noah. By trust, Abraham. That's what it means, faith. It, it means trust. It's the verbal form, uh, um, I'm sorry, it's the noun form of, of the word believe. So that there again is another nuance of this word. This, this word pistis uh, um, is the noun, faith, trust. Uh, the, the verb to believe, pistuo, I believe. They're, they're from the same root have faith is to have trust is to have belief 
So that, that is important for you to, to grab a hold of. And, and it gets to the point that we are called to be people of faith, to live by faith. Uh, elsewhere, the scriptures speak of right, wanting to be people that have our faith increased and, and to grow in our faith. What does that mean? It's to grow in our trust. Well, our trust in what? See, and right away now we're continuing to understand uh, what, what this is all about, that, that faith, biblical faith, is trust in something. It's not wishful optimism. It's not blind, just groping in the dark. No, it's, it's trust in an object, and specifically, it's none other than, than God. To have faith is to have trust in God. And so, yes, we, we are to be people that have faith that's increasing over our lifetime, but just think for a minute with me of some everyday examples. We do live by faith in our everyday life in, in ways you may not think you are living by faith. Um, I'm guessing most of you got here to this meeting house, this meeting place, this building today through means of the roads outside, whether you drove or walked, right, Chris? Yes. You got here, right? And to get here, um, you had some lights up in the sky hanging that, that told you whether or not it was safe to keep going across an intersection or whether you ought to stop. And if you've been driving for any length of time, you, you get to a place where when you see the lights and, and the color tells you whether it's you know, green for go or red for stop, you, you know what to do. And, and you do that. You, you, you move. And you don't, you don't pause and, and stop and contemplate things. You you, you just do, you're living by faith, by trust. Green, it, it tells you you can drive. And, uh, and so you, you do that. So we live, we drive our cars every day by, by faith. And, and most of us don't even think about it. And uh, so, and by the way, thus it's important that we pay attention and, you know, all that stuff. But you get, you get the, the example. Uh, another example, I, I think it was Tim Keller who used this where I first heard it, but... So, you know, so then what if my faith, which means what? Trust is, is small. Well, you know, if, if I'm about to fall over a cliff and there's a branch and I grab hold of it, it I may have little faith that that branch is going to hold me. But at the end of the day, my level of faith, my level of trust in that branch doesn't determine whether or not I remain, <laughs> right? It, it's the branch, the object. Is that branch strong enough to hold me or not? Conversely, I could be going off the cliff and I could have a huge amount of faith that this branch is going to hold me and, and it doesn't matter how big my faith was. It's about the object. That, that little branch wasn't strong enough to hold me even though I had big faith. Trust, faith. Our belief in God, yes, is to increase. And the longer you follow Jesus and walk with him and, and experience his, his faithfulness, you, you will grow. But, but there are seasons where we, like in Mark 9, cry out with the Father who says, Lord, I, I believe, I trust, I have faith, but help my unbelief, my lack of faith, my lack of trust. There's just times, and there's times when we have some doubt. There's times we experience things, and we wonder, God, where are you? Where are you? I just was listening to a podcast this week, um, and there's a children's book that I've ordered um, that I enjoy to read. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to reading to myself, to my older kids, um, but I have a feeling I'll be sharing it. And, and I may get the title wrong here, but, but here's the gist of it. The, the, the book is called The Moon is Always Round. And, and the author, he, he had this little catechism he would do with his son. His son, when he was three, liked to look up at, at the moon in the, in the sky. And, and, and right, sometimes you look up at the moon and you don't see that it's round. You, you see maybe a sliver. And so the dad would say, you know, what, what do you see? Well, I see a sliver, but... What does the moon look like? Well, you know, it's a sliver. But what is the moon really like? Well, the moon is round. And, and then there was this back and forth. And, and the, the dad's point was to say, yes, and God is always good. 
even when you don't see it. Just as the moon is always round, even when you can't see it, it's a picture, it's a metaphor of God is always good. And so as we grow to be people of trust, belief, faith, even when we have some doubts, God is still God. He's still good. He's a good, good father like we sang, who he is. We're loved by him, who we are, even when we don't feel it. See, biblical faith, trust, belief is so much more than what we feel. What does it mean to live by faith? Well, before we even get into Hebrews, to trust. It means to be a person who trusts. Now, let's get into Hebrews 11. Don't worry, we're not going to work through the whole chapter today. It would be good. You can do that. You can go through and read about a lot of these heroes of faith at your time, but we'll, we'll get to some of them. All right, verse 1. Here's how our author defines faith. Now, faith, which means what? Thank you. Is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I want you to notice two key words right off the back, assurance and conviction, okay? Probably the author isn't here trying to give us, you know, an A and a B definition. Probably these two lines are parallel. They're just two different ways of saying, generally speaking, the same thing. Faith is assurance. Faith is conviction, right? That's what these words means. If you have assurance of something, if you have conviction of something, it speaks of of being settled, convinced of things. See, it's not about feelings, okay? It's, it's assurance, conviction. Yes, we, we can doubt at times, and we can have weak faith and have questions, and, and God welcomes us with those doubts, with those questions. But faith, trust, is assurance, conviction. And then now notice what it says. Uh, it, it's assurance of things hoped for, it's conviction of things not seen. In other words, kind of two directions you might, you might say here of what it means to have this conviction, this assurance, this trust of things hoped for. That, that almost has a future dimension to it, right? And in our context, we've, we've heard our authors several times begin to speak of the return of Jesus. That's future, Faith, trust is the conviction, the assurance, this hope of the glorious return of Jesus. It's trust in the future that we don't know. That includes the Lord Jesus' return. He said so. But it's also conviction of things not seen. That that appears to have a a look back. Now, just stick with me. Verse 2. Our author says, for by it, that is by trust, faith, right? Same word, same meaning. The people of old, that's our author's way of speaking of these, these what we would think of Old Testament saints that he's about to, to walk through. By faith, by trust, these people of old, they received their commendation or, or their approval. Their approval from God. Verse, verse six, jump, jump ahead. A verse probably many of you No, without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's God. So faith brings God's approval, God's commendation. Faith is is a way we please God. And again, it doesn't mean it's always perfectly strong, but, but we grow, we learn to be people of trust, of faith, of belief. So, this, this faith, that assurance of something hoped for, it's a conviction of something not seen. And then notice verse 3. And now he really talks about stuff that we haven't seen. Notice, by faith, there's the first time we see it worded that way. And then that refrain is going to happen over and over in this chapter. By trust, by faith, we, and, and we can definitely be included in this, by trust, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. By trust, we understand that this amazing universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen, when we see a lot, was not made out of things that are visible. See, faith is the assurance of things not seen, so we can look at this universe and by trust, it was made by God. Mike Kruger writes this, faith either looks back at what God has done or looks to the future at what God will do. Either way, faith is about trusting God. It's not about faith in ourselves. It's about trusting something outside of ourselves. Just as the universe was made by the the idea of the Latin phrase, ex nihilo, out of nothing, just the word of God speaking and, and the universe came into being that is faith. Faith is assurance, conviction, things hoped for in the future, things not seen, including this universe. We look at it, we, we trust, we trust that it's, that it's God. What does it mean to live by faith? Well, first it means understanding what faith is. Faith is trust, belief, and faith is a conviction and assurance. That yes, at times, Again, as, as people made in God's image, that includes our capacities to reason. And that's another amazing thing. Faith is reasonable. Faith is reasonable. But there are times we doubt. There are times we have questions. And, and the person of faith, the person of trust, will, will not just speak of doubt, speak of questions, and then leave them there. But they will pursue, pursue, and look for answers. So that's number one this morning. What does it mean to live by faith? It, it means understanding what faith is. Trust, conviction, assurance. Ultimately in God and what he has done. But then number two, what does it look like? Well, really that's the focus of this whole chapter, right? It's all of these amazing examples. We're going to look at the first three uh, briefly in verses four through seven. Uh, Abel, um, and then Enoch, and then, and then Noah. Those are the first three that our author mentions. But he's going to go on in this chapter. And of course, Abraham plays a central role, not only here in Hebrews, but in the other parts of the scriptures. The Apostle Paul brings up Abraham in Romans and elsewhere. Uh, Moses gets mentioned here. <clears throat> but then jump to verse 32 for a moment. After speaking of um, Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses, then in verse 32, our author says, what more shall I say? In other words, I could keep going, right? Good preacher could always keep going. But then he says this, but time would fail me. And he lists another six names, kind of kind of taking us the, and the readers kind of through the time of the judges into the... the the kingdom and, and whatnot. He, he says, uh, time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, three or four rather, of the judges. But I love that refrain at the beginning of verse 32. What more shall I say, right? And let me just give a shout out to the left-handed people in the room. He could have spoken of Ehud, the left-handed judge, uh, who of course shows up in, in the book of Judges. But Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. And then he moves on to speak of of David and Samuel and the prophets. What he's saying is they all by faith, by trust. But if you know anything about some of these people, I mean, let's just for a few seconds talk about Samson. Really? Pastor to the Hebrews? Right? Because, you know, there's so much more to Samson than what's found in most... Children's Bibles. He wasn't perfect. Got to remember, this, this chapter of these heroes of faith are like any person alive except the Lord Jesus. They are imperfect. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, our author identifies, and, and Samson by faith, was used by the Lord in an important battle against the Philistines. 
or David, man after God's heart, yes, writer of many of our Psalms, yes, great king, of course, the Lord Jesus would come in the line of David, all of that, but you know, David's story, he had some major failures, but he lived by faith. Samuel, prophets. Here's the point. All of these examples, and again, we're going to look briefly at the first three. They are people, imperfect people, who lived by faith, by trust. And here's the important thing to remember too, and and, um, let's just kind of jump to this verse right now while it's in my mind. Verse 39, so after this great list, the author says, and all these, though commended, again, that means approved, <clears throat> through their faith, in other words, they, they had trust in God. It wasn't their perfect obedience that allowed them to be commended or approved by God. <clears throat> Our author says it's their faith. All of these, though commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised. Now, now, some did some things, but see, the author's getting at a bigger purpose here. There was this promise spoken of in the Hebrew Scriptures through Moses and the prophets and the high priest, right? All of it, think of Hebrews, Jesus. And all of them, they lived by faith. They, they were saved by faith in Jesus, looking forward. Just as we are saved by faith in Jesus, as we look backwards, and what he has done, <clears throat> they looked forward to what he would do, even though they didn't have it all revealed to them. Since God, verse 40, provided something better for us, right? We, we get to look back on the finished work of Jesus. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect, be made whole, be made complete. They were living by faith, hearing God and trusting, and ultimately being being saved by trusting in this unknown plan that we, again, look back on. It's just awesome. It's just wonderful. So those, that's the point of all these examples, and that's why he says, what more? Time would fail me, and I could tell stories of these ones and so many others. But, but briefly, our author mentions the first three here that we will briefly look at. Verse four, by faith, Abel, Interesting, our author picks Abel as his first example. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended, means approved, as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. When was the last time you thought about how Abel speaks and Abel's offering speaks. Well, if you aren't familiar or need to be reminded of the story, right, this is the story of Adam and Eve's first two kids, Cain and Abel. And we don't know from Genesis why, but they come and they both prepare offerings and give them to God. And God does not have uh, an approval or does not commend Cain for his offering, but does commend or approve Abel of his. And, and the difference is, Cain's is, is this probably very beautiful, I always think of like a, a Thanksgiving Day table, cornucopia, flowers, just, you know, some a beautiful floral-like offering from things he had grown, and, and Abel offers animal sacrifice. There's no way to make that beautiful. It might smell good, but it doesn't look beautiful. And, and we aren't told in Genesis why, but it's interesting. I, th- I think, and I remember one of my professors in seminary was convicted of this, and, and I think he was right, and I think there's a hint of it here. God has always wanted worship that's based on sacrifice. I mean, and and the ultimate example of that is the Lord Jesus. He is the once-for-all final offering, his blood, finally. And along the way, all this other offering and blood pointed to it. And 
And, and did, did Cain think, oh, that's gross, that's disgusting. God, I'm going to make you something beautiful. I'm going to work really hard and offer you what I think you want. When all the while, God had said what he wanted and, and Abel obeyed. And of course, the story goes on. But here our author says that through his trust, his faith, Abel, though he died, he still speaks and his offering was commended as acceptable, his gift. So that's the first story. And again, for us, we look back and we still maybe have some questions and may scratch our head about it, but it's worth us remembering um, that we, we too, we, we, we don't come to God by our good works. We don't say, God, okay, I'm going to try really hard and, and I'm going to stop doing this and start doing this and then, God, you'll be happy with me. God says, son, daughter, if you are his son or daughter, I'm happy with you through Christ. He... he already gave himself completely, and and I look at you through him. Trust in that, trust in that, have faith in that. That's one example. Verse 5 and 6, the second example is Enoch. By faith, by trust, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended, approved as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, please him. For whoever would draw near, there's that that phrase, we've heard it several times in Hebrews, to draw near to God is to come before him, to come into his presence. We're invited to draw near because of Christ. Whoever would draw near must believe. There's, again, see, faith, trust, belief, it's all the same idea. Whoever would draw near must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so again, this this next example is Enoch. And what a crazy kind of thing it is. We don't know a lot about Enoch, but he says in Genesis, he walked with God. It doesn't say that about everybody, but it says Enoch walked with God. And most scholars believe it's an idea uh, communicating intimacy, that Enoch had this intimate relationship with God in a way that some of the others didn't. And and so he walked with God. So Enoch is commended for us as an example of trust, of faith. He he walked with God. He he had this intimate relationship with God. And I think, again, it provides us with with an example uh, of what does it look like? What does it look like to live by faith? Well, it looks like, one, we, we recognize like in the case of Abel, that our, our righteousness is because of Christ's offering. But then second, now, Enoch, uh, to live by faith means to be intimate with God, to have a real relationship with him, not just a head knowledge, not just a once-a-week knowledge, but, but this walking with God relationship where God is pleased to, to have this intimacy with us. And so maybe that's why, what was in our author's mind. But then number three, um, Noah, verse 7. The third example, by faith, by trust, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith, by trust. Now, there's a lot we could look at if we were doing a study on Noah He's brought up here, of course, he's brought up in, in Genesis, but, but elsewhere. But here, it seems to be that our author has in mind Noah's obedience, that, that Noah was a man of faith, of trust, and it resulted in him obeying God when it really didn't seem to make a lot of sense, right? Rain, really? It's going to rain? Kind of like today. Really? This morning? It's going to rain? It, it did, a little bit. Noah, Noah is an example of, of, of obedience. And again, it's not his obedience that the scriptures say is why God was pleased, but, but his trust, his faith, which led to his obedience. So, so briefly, right, just in these first seven verses, we, we understand what, what faith is. It's, it's trust, it's belief, it's conviction and assurance of, of things hoped for in the future, of looking back on things unseen that we can't see. It's trust, belief in God. It looks like some of these different people, people who 
trusted in God's plan for offerings, people who, who trusted in God and had this intimacy and walked with God, people who, who obeyed. And again, the chapter goes on to speak of Abraham and Moses and so many others who lived by faith. Faith means what? Finally, number three this morning, how do we do it? What does it look like? Where does it show up in our life? Well, that's why I asked Callie to read into chapter 12 because um, here we go. Our author keeps going with his thought. He's ready to kind of bring it to an end. We don't, in the original, he didn't stop and write a big number 12, but his, his thoughts were going and he says, verse one, therefore, okay, all these people that lived by faith, by trust, and this, this encouragement to us to live by faith, by trust. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these people who, who lived by faith that we can look back on and find encouragement in, let us, and, and I'm not going to go through this verse much. We, we kicked off last summer with these verses. They were kind of the theme for the summer series called Runner. And, and next week, uh, Lord willing, we'll be into chapter 12. But, but notice what our author says. Laying aside every weight, laying aside the sin that clings closely, let us run with endurance the race set before us, this metaphor of a marathon race, that's the Christian life. And then verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. See, we're to live by faith. It's trust. There's all these examples that we can look at and, and, and see what it looks like. But ultimately, how do we do it? We, we go on this journey, uh, and, and I'm going to choose to walk. Sorry, I don't do marathons, rider, but, but I'll go the distance walking. But I, I, ours is to be keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the finish line. He's the prize. And he is the pioneer or author, perfecter of our faith. Jesus is. Not first and foremost as an example. Okay, we don't look to him as our example. No, we look to him as, as our justifier. Look what he says, verse 3. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author perfecter of our faith. Sorry, middle of verse 2. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We keep our eyes on Jesus, first and foremost, as our Savior, as our justifier, as the one who makes us right with God. We need to look over and over again at our justification and let that fuel our sanctification. You hear me? We need to continually go back. Why am I right with God? It's because of Jesus, what he's done, and therefore I will live the Christian life. Too many people try to look at how they're living the Christian life to see if it supports whether or not they really were saved. They, they rely on how they feel, how they're doing, to, to give them assurance if, if they really are saved, and, and that's a flip-flop. Look at your justification, what God has done through Christ, and let that fuel how you live your life. Keep your eye on him, our Savior. And yes, our example. He knew how to live and walk in obedience I want to encourage all of us, but I want to say especially to the moms today, um, I've been praying that you would be encouraged to keep your eyes on Jesus today, not try to be the best mom you can be, not, you know, work harder this year than last year, and it's hard. I don't actually know what it's like to be a mom, but I have a mom, I'm married to a mom, and as a dad, your call, moms, but all of ours, is to live by faith which means to walk in trust, keeping our eyes on Jesus, letting, letting that impact how we parent, how we do school kids, how we do work workers, how we do neighboring neighbors. Living by faith, living by trust. We've got some great examples. Ultimately, we keep our eyes on Jesus. I want to ask Jim Failer to come up at this time. Jim is one of our pastor elders, most of you know. Um, and, and we're going to take a minute and um, talk about one more person of faith, 
one more uh, person that could have been put into this chapter if it was being written farther ahead. Not because this person's perfect, uh, he would tell you he's not, but because this person has lived his life by faith. And that person I'm talking about is my father-in-law, Rich Wells. And uh, Rich is not up here, even though uh, since we started SOMA, which goes back 14 plus years, uh, Rich was one of the founding uh, non-staff elders with me, and, uh, and then Jim joined uh, the team, the plurality, a year or two later. Um, but, but Rich is not up here because uh, Rich is retired um, here from active eldering in this last year. But Rich, we want to honor you this, this morning with, with the title, the honor, Pastor Elder Emeritus. And some of you know that title, Emeritus, refers to someone who used to hold a position but no longer does, often because of retirement. But they retain the title uh, in honor. And um, one of my athletic heroes, some of you know this, is, is Michael Jordan. And after his second retirement, which proved not to be his final retirement, but the main one, um, after his uh, 13 seasons with the Bulls, he, he won another MVP award, and, and they said it's simple. They said, after 13 years, you still go out every night and play like Michael Jordan. And Rich, even in your retirement, after 15 years of being an elder, and before Soma, Rich was an elder and, an, and a trustee at Hessel Church for a lot of years. Rich, even today, you still go out every day, every Lord's Day, and you still act as Pastor Elder Rich Wells. And so you, you are worthy of uh, the honor of, of Emeritus, uh, Pastor Elder. Jim. Well, well, Rich and I have always shared a kinship because um, we both worked at PG&E for many years. As a matter of fact, we actually overlapped a little bit in the 80s, I think, because he was after he had he'd been ma manager of computer sciences, computer science department or computer services or something like that. And, um, and then went back, sort of consult back to the firm in the 80s, and that's when I joined PG&E in 84, I know some of you think PG is the evil empire, but I can assure you there's this rumor going around that they have a Death Star. They don't have a Death Star, so PG is not the evil empire. There's actually a lot of good people there, and Rich was one of those good people. But um, I just want to say thank you to Rich and for all this service. This is a guy who is a very mature Christian, mature in his faith, and he knows the Bible, and he's preached the Bible. And he's tireless. Um, you know, those of you who have been in the church longer, you know that he built his own house while he was running that department down at pg &E in San Francisco. He built his house here outside of Sebastopol. This guy is tireless. And he was that way as a servant leader. And he was definitely a servant leader, like a player coach, you know. Um, you know, generals used to be like that, right? They would take risk. George Washington, if you've ever studied George Washington, he was actually out in the fight Bullets flying around. He was in the fight um, with all the rest of the soldiers to encourage the rest of the soldiers. And that's not always true today. They're often back at the Pentagon planning out logistics and stuff. But, but he is a player coach, one of those generals that would be in the fight. And, and um, he was never reluctant to take on responsibility. Very broad shoulders, happy to take on responsibility. And, uh, and he was always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to work. Always a big smile, quick to laugh. Um, so... Is this our 16th year, 17th year? 14th. 14th. Well, I thought we got to 15. My well, mind is just gone. Baby's in the womb, you know. Okay, okay. Well, so then we probably served together like around 10 years because it was yeah. a few years before you trusted me to come onto the yeah. elder board, right? <laughs> Still sort of not sure. And, and uh, so we probably served together for a decade, and he was just a great pleasure. So thank you, Rich, for all of your service at SOMA. And um, it's been a pleasure serving with you. And I hope you'll come back once in a while when we have questions like, How, what's the answer to that question? Rich would probably know. So we often have those issues come up. I do not have a plaque to give Rich and Jan. I don't think they really would want one um, to have on a wall. But 
um, but to know we, we do mean it. We, we see you, Elder Emeritus. You are a person of faith. And real quick, funny story. Um, Jim mentioned that Rich, again, um, did preach um, a couple times a year for many years. And one of my funniest memories was on a Mother's Day, uh, like today, we were in a series on the Ten Commandments, and I've got kind of the schedule, and, okay, and Rich is going to preach here. And, and some of you might remember, it's on the website. I think you can go back and listen, but Rich preached on Thou Shalt Not Murder on Mother's Day. Uh, and uh, what, what a guy I was to give him that, that topic on that day. That's a funny memory. Um, we've laughed about that many times. Um, would you all stand with me and, and join me as I wrap up and thank the Lord for, for Rich? And I would ask you to go thank him for uh, being a um, faithful servant and who, again, lives by faith, by trust. Father, we thank you for this chapter, and, and we just scratch the surface on it. There's all these people mentioned who lived by trust, by faith. And we do thank you that we can look back and have these examples. We thank you in our own midst that we have examples, whether it's rich and, and others in our congregation who are, who are examples, again, not, not of perfection, but of trust, faith, belief in you, conviction and assurance of what you will do and what you've done and who you are. I I pray we would increasingly be people of faith. And now, Lord, would you, as we dismiss and go to uh, the day's events, bless us, Lord, and keep us. God, would you make your face shine upon us, be gracious to us, and would you lift up your countenance toward us and give us your peace today. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.